Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Calvary Bible Church, welcome to Beyond Sunday. We're diving into Psalm 53 this morning, coming off Memorial Day weekend. Randy, how was your Memorial Day weekend? I had to work. Did you? I took off. So just so you know, I like, was in church. Yeah, I was not in church, but I'm dedicated to this place. Listen, you know where I was lunch yesterday. Um, you don't. At a conference. No, I was not. I was on Lake Michigan at noon yesterday, literally on a boat in Lake Michigan. I'm not kidding you. So I drove from like 3.30 to 1 o'clock a.m., got home, turned your sermon on when I got home. It put me to sleep. <laughs> And I got a good four hours of sleep last night. So I'm here. I'm ready to roll this morning. You, did you do anything? Do you know that there were other parishioners that also fell asleep during my <laughs> preaching? Do, I, you, do you want to know their names? I could guess a couple, okay. but I, right. I don't want to throw that shade out there. Um, yeah, no. More Day weekend. Uh, I don't know if it was mentioned on Sunday, but thanks to all those veterans in our, in our congregation who serve. Um, we, you know. Yeah, Jason mentioned it. Yeah, we don't want to take that for granted. That's really, um, it's a neat Sunday just to thank those who have served. So anyway, you were in Psalm 53. I did listen to most of the sermon, though, thanks to our video team. And it put me, it did put me to sleep, but I woke up and I went right back at it. So, you know, we're going to get into this, Psalm 53. So we're going to do a quick intro here just to kind of recap where the psalm was. And then we've got a couple of good questions that came in. A um, couple of bad questions. Just mm-hmm. kidding. No bad questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no dumb questions. Yes, there are. Uh, but we didn't get any. Uh, but anyway, let's get into Psalm 53 here. I'll read. Um, yeah, let me just read the outline for us and, and talk about it for a second. At least what I um, what I took. So Psalm 53. By the way, I thought this is one of your catchier sermon titles. Jesus didn't raise no fool. That's hey. Hey, look, you're like different guy these days. Mm-hmm. It is, there's a double negative in there, though. Yes, there is. Did you talk about that in the sermon? Did I miss that, that you have a double negative in your sermon title? I eliminated the double negative in the sermon itself, but did not eliminate it in print. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, so point number one was the deadly thought, which is essentially there is no God. That That's a terrible thought. Um Point two, really the, the chunk of the psalm is really the, the results of that kind of a lifestyle, the person who is the fool, and it's a pretty pretty hefty downward spiral there, uh, resulting in a lot of yeah, just poor living. Uh, and then finally, uh, the last point, the prayer or wish that we now enjoy uh, there in, in uh, verse six. So Jesus being that that salvation that um, that's offered to us. So... Um, let's get into some of these questions. Actually, the first one, maybe I should have started with this, was a, a question about the previous week's psalm. So Psalm 52, which was addressed to the wicked. It was a psalm singing to the wicked. Um, and so a question came in asking, um, see here, it says, how would the wicked have responded at that time? So if they'd heard that song sung, how would they have responded? Uh, because in today's culture, I think they would try to cancel the church altogether, just tune us out. Uh, so just wondering if this psalm was made public, and how would it have been received by the wicked? 
Randy? So uh, not made public. I, I think the important thing is just to remember that these these songs are written for the people of God to be sung uh, in an act of worship. So in the sanctuary, in the temple, in the temple, something get that image of God's people gathering together, and um, so they are singing the song amongst themselves. Yeah. So uh, just think about just think about what what would cause a wicked person uh, to enter that assembly, for instance, why would that happen? And I think, um, first of all, uh, you know, the question about what would, what would have happened back then, there would have been such a, a divergent, such a difference between, mm-hmm. you know, the worshiping community and the, let's say, the nations that did not worship Yahweh. So a big difference. Mm-hmm. But however, one of the things that was important about the question is the fact that um, the song these psalms are designed to be sung amongst the people of God, but we know that the people of God exist in a mixed, uh, in a, in a mixed audience, a mixed congregation. It's sheep always been that way. Yep, sheep and goats. It's always been that way. So Old Testament and also New Testament. So I th- I think um, what's important for us beyond Sunday is for uh, a person to be hearing Psalm fifty three. To be able to sing, uh, to say or sing the opening verse and say, that's, that is not me. It is possible that on Sunday, uh, usually, uh, usually we'd be talking about yesterday, right? Because if it was Monday, but so it's possible for parishioners to have heard that mm-hmm. and actually uh, just blown that whole thing off and said, uh, that, that doesn't describe me at all. And what I was trying to say is, uh, let's make sure that we all deal with the foolishness that's in our own hearts, which is any of those times when I assert my independence uh, over God. Mm-hmm. And we might talk about that a little bit more uh, coming up as, yeah. as far as uh, uh, what is this foolish tendency? Yeah, right. It came up in Psalm. Well, the question was about Psalm 52, but the question really resurfaces in Psalm 53 too. It does. So mm-hmm. essentially you're saying, the the outside world, the unbelieving world, probably isn't going to hear that song sung, but primarily it's meant for the mixed crowd in the in among God's people singing that song and having to be challenged almost in the song. That that shouldn't describe me, and if it does, well, maybe I'm the wicked. Yeah, and it and, it, and I don't know if you folks ever think about this, but it's one of the reasons why we. We cannot create a worship service that makes a sinner comfortable. That's an impossibility. So we could we could talk a lot about that. Yes, so, we could. So it's important to remember that when God writes Psalm 53, um, he's writing that for his own people. So we know that uh, uh, if there's any if there's any person in there that you, you can imagine a person on Sunday who hears for the very first time. I thought I was inherently good. Mm-hmm. That's what society's been preaching to me. Mm-hmm. Now I hear God saying, "There's no no one good." That should cause uh, that that causes them immediately to have to make a decision: who's right? Is God right, or is is God's estimate of me correct, or is my estimate of me from what I believe from my culture is it correct? So there there's some where you know the wicked. If if there was quote this wicked person overhearing our worship. At least they're locked into this 
new narrative and they have to decide, is this true? Which is real? Yeah, right. And we do talk about that sometimes, that we're not creating a worship service for unworship, non-worshipers, no. whatever the term is. No. Um, it's for people who are following the Lord. And if you're foreign to church on Sunday, if you're not a God worshiper, you should probably feel a little uncomfortable. It should feel foreign. Yeah. I mean, I mean none of the stories should. I think should there's probably sense. some expectations that people are coming into church as far as what church should be like. There's going to be singing. There might be some religious elements, but it shouldn't be totally natural because it's it's not to them. Well, the message shouldn't sound like uh, the message should sound totally uh, should be unlike anything else they ever hear. Yeah. Right. It and then be. which story are they believing? That's yeah, ultimately. Yeah. And that's for us, too. I mean, which one? Are we believing? That's why, I mean, that's why we talk about beyond Sunday is do we believe that Psalm 53 and now what does it mean to live that out? Yeah. All right. Good. We hit that. Oh, we'll see. Whoever, whoever asked the question will tell us. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, question number two, this is getting a little, uh, a little technical here. Um, but the question was about the, the Hebrew words kind of pre-Psalm, uh, the maskal. Maskeel? Mm-hmm. Maskeel. Mm-hmm. See, my Hebrew's not bad. Not I can bad. pronounce some of these words. Um, so, are, what was the question? Are they inspired? I didn't highlight it. I got to get better at what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. What was the question, Randy? Many of us never think about the information above verse 1, but we know that all of uh, Scripture is inspired. Um, so, the word maskeel, what it, the question was essentially, yeah. what is it? And my question was, is it inspired? So, yeah. So, you know, when the when the questioner talks about before verse one, I've tried to call it a title, technically a superscription above the psalm. They don't they're not always there. Like if I remember correctly, Psalm one nineteen, for instance, doesn't have one. Um, so uh, let let me just say that it is in the Hebrew text. So mm-hmm. uh, when I'm reading the Hebrew, I am starting with this this opening line, which. Um, which we do believe to have uh, some information that at times helps us understand the history of the song. Yeah. So sometimes it's very, very helpful. The problem is, uh, the problem is, as, as this person mentioned, what is a masquil? We don't know. So any of you, if you're looking at your, you know, your Bibles and if you happen to have the study Bibles, have all the answers at the bottom and so forth, remember that all, everyone's going to say the same thing. They're going to say, we don't know what this term is. Is it a musical instrument? Is it a sort of a, a musical term itself? We, we just don't know. What we do know is that uh, God says, I'm going to put in my scripture songs that can be sung because they are very, very helpful to faith. Mm-hmm. And we've been learning this. So remember what you can ask yourself through the week if you go back and look at any of these psalms. If I am singing this to the Lord... What, what does that say about me? Can I sing it insincerely? Um, and the and the answer, of course, is no. We need to be singing it legitimately saying, this is my song. Mm-hmm. I can sing this particular part of the song. So the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I'm singing that knowing that that is not me. I don't want that to be me. I just yeah. asked you about one word. You, uh, just, you got more than that. You, I did. So the answer, though, is... My yes. question was, I say yes. it is inspired. I say yes. And according to Randy, it is inspired, Dr. Doctor. And we would have a lot almost. of conversation about the, what what we're talking about 
the inspiration of the superscription of the psalm. That's a that's an issue that is very very technical. Sounds like a doctorate, you know. That's you know dissertation someone should write. I'm sure it has been. I'm sure. Oh, it, I'm sure it has, I'm, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so, we yes. don't really know what we do it, not know. what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't. Okay. All right, cool. All right, next question was uh, targeted on verse six. Question was, um, could uh, is it possible to literally read part of verse six of Psalm fifty-three? For example, uh, restores his captives, his captive people. Um, I didn't. I think that's a yeah. So let me let me jump in quickly and say that it is possible that some people could read verse six and see the nation state of Israel, the, um, a more modern occurrence in the, in the state of Israel to be part of the fulfillment of something like this. Okay. That, I it's possible. I didn't get to finish it's, the question. You're answering it, but let's, yeah. let me ask it. Mm-hmm. So uh, could that be re- read literally as a future prophecy concerning the return of the Jewish people after Babylon and then again in 1948 to the new state of Israel. So yeah, that's but, the full question. Yeah, because a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that study prophecy will see, I, I forget the illustration. You, you guys re- will remember the illustration of, uh, you know, prophecy looking forward and you see different mountain peaks is, is one way to explain it. So the first one, you know, coming back from the captivity, the next one, the uh, what ha- isn't 48. I'm not great at this, uh, this stuff, as you know, the prophecy stuff. So, yeah. you know, 1948 with Israel. So you're seeing these mountain peaks as being uh, ongoing fulfillment. It is possible that yeah. you can do that. OK, uh, the key uh, is and I appreciated one of the comments that's coming here uh, because I did glance at the bottom of that that sheet. So the key to verse six, however, is that to know that this prophecy has come true in part for us, not just for the nation of Israel, but mm-hmm. for us. And we know that it's going to be fulfilled, I believe, uh, more fulfilled for Israel and more fulfilled for us as well. The key for us is to uh, to say, since we're not the fool in verse 1, we are finding ourselves in verse 6, which means uh, that God is continually helping me today. So beyond Sunday, I'm seeing Okay, today's a day when I'm walking with God and God is helping me to uh, to experience this walk with him where life is found. And that is part of this restoration. Of course, that's where this rejoicing and celebration comes from is because uh, God is saving me and I am getting to enjoy him today mm-hmm. along with, you know, along with you. All right. Yeah. So would you say that's like an already but not yet kind of category where it's it's mm-hmm. happened but not to its fulfillment i like the category uh, yeah i do i like that because uh that gives us an opportunity to say uh yeah yeah christ has come out of zion and our savior is working but we have um uh we're living in a badly broken world as you know so we are fighting hard for faith until he comes again to restore all things completely good yeah all right uh one or two more here mm-hmm. Um, so this one resonated with me, uh, Romans seven, we all feel this where it's the, uh, I do what I don't want to do this battle back and forth, uh, our sin nature, just kind of igniting, um, temp- mm-hmm. temptation. Uh, but so the question essentially is with that wrestling, because mm-hmm. we may not be the fool in verse one, but we, we know and are aware of our own sin and the battle that we face. I mean, we're all 
we should be at least cognizant of that and, and more and more so as we grow close, closer to the Lord. But the question is then, how exactly is Jesus my help when I do what I know I should not do and choose the curse over the blessing? So if you wanted to, to I, I mean, if that experience should be the experience of every Christian person the fight, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. So we could go to another text like Galatians that would bear that out, the tug of war between the two. So what the person is describing is what we are all about. So for instance, Mm -hmm. I like, I'd like to do something like this, you know, uh, that anytime, anytime I am a practical atheist, which means anytime I've decided to assert my independence over God, and not receive his instruction for me. I've, I have uh, denied his instruction. Yep. Anytime I'm a practical atheist, I have a gap in time and I need to recover to be a practical theist again. Mm-hmm. In other words, the reason why Psalm 53, one is important throughout the week is we are all going to have times when we are acting like we are, we don't believe in God. We, we, sure. we know we do. But remember, there is no God is not a philosophical issue in the Old Testament. It, it's, a, it's, a defi- it's an act of defiance. Yeah. It's practical defiance. There is no God. See, I can do whatever I want. So anytime I experience that, what I need to do, obviously, is I need to recover from that and say, no, I, I am a practical theist, which means by definition, if I know that my God is my creator and who, the one who controls my life and offers blessing, Mm-hmm. I am going to now choose that again. So uh, the help that uh, verse six, oh, that salvation, oh, that help for Israel would come out of Zion. That help is the, the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God. Notice all three, all three of those coming together and, and urging me back on the way of teachability. And mm-hmm. I would say to all of us, listen, uh, as you're walking with God this, this week, just simply ask the question. What is God trying to teach you? I mean, of all the things that's going on in your life right now, what is he really trying to teach you? And how receptive are you to that training? And if you are, and if if you're like me, you do well for some time and then you fall. When you fall, you get back up and you claim your faith. Yeah. You, you, You confess, you repent, you replace that with righteousness. So, and I didn't get to the end of your sermon. You didn't. I didn't. Because you were asleep? I did. I fell asleep. You cut me some cre- some uh, slack, slack. Some slack. Not credit. Don't give me any credit. I will not give you credit for falling asleep while I am working so hard to save your soul. At 2 a.m. Um, okay. is when I that was dozed, your choice. I dozed off. It was your choice. I came alive, though, when the guitar came back that on. Nice. I woke me up. It, yeah, it was what nice. What is going on? It was real nice. Um, but that was probably Bill, Bill Reiner on his little mini, that little <laughs> mini. I didn't see it. Yeah. Do- well, go, it was too small. Go back. Mini. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say now. Um, You're falling asleep during yeah. the sermon. So the question is, how is Jesus my help? And you, you just got done saying the, the word, the spirit and the people. Yeah. Um, did you talk about how Jesus does that at the uh, end of the sermon? I, I think that's what he's doing. Okay. So yeah. through Christ. Through the Lord, mm-hmm. those three things are urging us, driving us, sharpening, keeping us as guardrails almost 
on the path of righteousness? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I ended that with like four, I think four things that in order to put this into practice, one of them has to be, um, I have to end the rebellion. At some point, I have to end the rebellion as a believer and go back to faith, mm-hmm. which means go back to his instruction and put it into practice. So pick your, that's why I say pick your issue, uh, pick your, your, the particular sin that you struggle with, thought patterns, uh, action pattern, pick them. At some point, we have to drop the rebellion. And, uh, you know, the help that Jesus offers is the same help he has always offered. If you, if you'll turn to me again, I will heal you. And I think we, we're doing that regularly. So if someone, if someone said, I am so discouraged by, you know, the, the destruction and the ruin that I inflict upon myself, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I sincerely say, uh, you know, join the club. But that's the whole point of this salvation is that we put the destruction aside. We put the rebellion aside and we continue to adopt this teachable. That's why teaching people to do the things Jesus said to do is so critical here because we meet, we need to constantly move people on that path of you have to stay, let him guide you. You know, as you're, mo- as you're moving through this week trying to walk with God, just think about this. Uh, I have this incredible foolish tendency in my heart to deny God the uh, prerogative to run my life. So at the mm-hmm. end, of, at the end, in early in Chronicles, I, I was, we were talking about this early, early, early in Chronicles, mm-hmm. the narrator says about Saul that when the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, the Lord put Saul to death because he failed to seek guidance from the Lord. Yeah. And I, I read that this morning. I, I read that earlier this morning and, and, and I thought there, there it is that if you, if you boil it down to one thing, right. Here's Saul, the epitome of the fool, saying, there is no God. I can do whatever I want. And God says, because you didn't seek my guidance, I'm going to have to put you to death and I'm going to give the kingdom to someone else. Well, in, the, in, in our Christian uh, understanding of the, of the canon now, in the story, the Lord Jesus Christ has solidified this place for us in this. So what we're doing is we're constantly fighting against that old person, that old foolish person, but mm-hmm. continually running. Uh, wisely running to Christ uh, for victory. That's yeah. what we do. Well, I think just to, uh, in my mind, because all of these biblical characters have their fatal flaws, Yeah, not just Saul, but David. Um, and so to not say, well, we need to be more like a David and less like a Saul, even though David sets a great example for us, um, but more like the wise and yeah. less like the fool, because yeah. they that wise and the fool is in b- both of those characters exactly. and it's in both it's in us and so let's let's be the wise man who says no there is a god and live accordingly exactly right yeah because all of those characters depending on the scene that you select yeah mm-hmm. they they display wisdom or folly correct yeah and we went i mean we we talked about this too that you know that that great passage in proverbs I think it was Proverbs 1, 7, you know, everybody seems to know that one for sure. You know, yeah. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, but fools, what are they, how are they described? They despise wisdom and understanding or something along those lines. Yeah. That's good. We don't want to be that. Yeah. No. All right. Yeah. Longest episode yet. Yeah. Two camera cards. Cool. All right. Thanks for joining us. Love you guys. See ya. 
Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.